Welcome to the Labor Day edition of the McCovey Croncast. I'm Sammy Higgins, and I'm here with Doug Brizzoni. Doug, how are you? Did you survive three days of minor league baseball in the heat? <laughs> I survived a very good day of minor league baseball. It wasn't that hot. Uh, it was hot the last couple days on Saturday and Sunday, but uh, we're recording this on Monday, and it, it cooled down to, you know, in the 90s, so that's much better for the Sacramento area. Yeah, I mean, we've been getting up I'm about an hour north of that, and getting up to like 110, 112, so, you know, 90s, I'll take it. <laughs> exactly. After uh, Saturday night, which started at 7 when it was still 105, 106, something like that, and it just did not really cool off, it's, you know, an overcast sort of low 90s day is perfect. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I, I'm pretty good. Um, I'm much better than I was last week. So um, we we missed last week because I uh, I assume I accidentally got shot in the head by a buckshot. Um, I'm fine. I just had a pretty bad headache for a while, so I was kind of on the DL. Um, but again, you know, I'm here. I'm alive and um, <laughs> not. So I'll take it. That's a win. I'm I'm glad you're okay. I'm I'm not glad that you're apparently friends with Dick Cheney, but I'm glad you're okay. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't a family friend. It was the stranger in the distance. But it very well could have been. I didn't see it. So uh, let's. I guess let's get into it. The Giants have had a pretty, pretty awful uh, run of games over the last couple of weeks. Um, I think they only won one series, and it was the series against Milwaukee. And even that seems kind of high. Um, how have you been enjoying Giants baseball lately? Well, I don't know that enjoying is exactly the word I would use. Uh, Giants baseball has been happening. This is true. Technically. Yes, I can confirm this. That is technically what they're doing. They're playing baseball by the definition of the word playing in baseball. So congratulations <laughs> to them on that. Yeah, um, it's it's been particularly awful. Uh, we've had in the span of yeah in the span of one week we had two really epic bullpen implosions. Um, we had the 11-0 loss to Arizona, and the 11-6 loss to St. Louis within the span of a week. Um, so that was fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was it was nice that they did that when we didn't want them to. No. I mean, and it's kind of, you know, it was pretty sad, especially the Chris Stratton start, or Chris Stratton start against uh, Arizona. Because he had a, you know, pretty decent start. He had six innings, ten strikeouts, five, five walks wasn't great. But I think he held them to two runs, right? And all of the, all of the runs came in the ninth. Was it the ninth inning or the eighth inning? I think it was the ninth. Uh, Matt Kane. Yeah. Matt, oh, Kane? No, the eighth. I think Kane pitched the eighth. Okay. I could be, oh, yeah, it would have been the eighth because they wouldn't have played the ninth. Right, right, right. There we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was not a good game. That was uh, – it was the kind of thing that you start watching and then you're like, oh, I know how this is going to go. And there's just one tiny stupid voice in the back of your head says, well, what if it doesn't go like that? And you're like, oh, that's great, voice. I'm going to keep watching. And then that can give the eight run. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of I've, – I've missed a few games here and there, and so I kind of, like, forget just how awful this team is this year. So I think, like, <laughs> when they got even just, like, the, the – uh, what was no? They didn't have a lead in that game. And I guess I'm thinking of Friday night's game uh, against Cardinals, where they did have the lead. They had the lead it was five to two, um, going into the seventh. And I was thinking, yeah, you know what, the Giants might win this one. That would be nice. And I'm like, you know, completely 
completely forgot about the bullpen being a thing. And, of course, the Cardinals tied it up. Um, and then, um, yeah, there's Dan Dyson came in, and he had the kind of appearance that uh, he's been having in Texas. And he got thoroughly smacked around and allowed five run runs. Yeah, he had a very Rangers Sam Dyson outing. Yes. Which is not a compliment for those of you who didn't follow him with the Rangers. Yeah, it was not exactly what we wanted when we, we brought Sam Dyson over. But, it, you know, one one really, really bad appearance, I guess, isn't the end of the world, especially in a season like this. And, you know, well, I guess even if they were still lost, even if uh, the, the other um, – uh, it was a Hunter Strickland and Mark Melanson gave up the other runs. So even if they hadn't, they'd have still lost. So it's just kind of like, eh, you just screwed no matter what. Not <laughs> <laughs> of this year. Yeah. I mean, the bullpen yeah. is not all the bullpen. Let's be fair. I mean, the offense is not performing very well either. But it seems like when they do, it doesn't matter because the bullpen's just going to forget how to throw the ball where it's supposed to go. Yeah, it's uh, one of the things I think I talked about. It might have been last year, it might have been this year. I, I don't know. Is when the Giants were going bad, it seems like if you look at the three areas, you know, if you look at three areas of the team offense, defense, and pitching, on any given day, one, when one of them is, is above average, the other two will be like, oh, well, let's, let's fix that immediately. And they just suck. And there's no other word for it. They're just like, well, let's be way worse than we usually are because these guys are trying to show us up. And then somebody's like, you know, you know, the guy on defense is just you, right? And they're like, well, then I better be extra bad on offense. <laughs> and then they lose. Yes, that is that has been the Giants for at least since the second half of last year, for sure. Uh, could probably go back farther than that, but I think the first half of last season was an outlier, so it doesn't count. Um. So it's just it's kind of draining. Like you can see it on the players' faces as the bullpen is giving up run after run. It's just like it's disheartening because it's like, well, even if we did score runs, they would just screw us over anyway. So you can see the players like wilting throughout the game. Right. Basically, everything is pointless. Is kind of what we're getting at here. Yes. Um, Speaking of okay, well, kind of speaking of, let's go. up to Thursday night, and let's talk about the home run that was, and then wasn't, and then was again. Doug, do you want to set us up on that one? So it was the bottom of the ninth inning. The Giants were down 5-1, I think, at the time. Uh, They were down 5-1 going into the bottom of the ninth. Uh, They had a little bit of a rally. Uh, They, you know, they they did all right. They got a guy on. Brandon Crawford came up, and then he uh, he hit a home run, and that was cool. You know, it's it's always good when Brandon Crawford hits a home run in the bottom of the ninth. It only made it five three, but still, that's that's better than it not being five three. And then uh, the umpires, and then the Mike Matheny said, "Hey, can we uh, can we review that?" And the umpires were like, uh, "Yeah, I guess so." And so it went to New York, and New York was like, "Oh, that that home run." that hit where home runs hit and was obviously a home run. Oh, that's a double. If only there were some form of like of a guideline that they could refer to as to what's a home run and what's not a home run. I mean, at some point, Major League Baseball has to set up rules for each individual ballpark about what a home run is and isn't. And I can't believe they haven't done that yet. 
I mean, it's just so difficult. Um, so, okay, when I was watching it, um, I, you know, I watched it several times, and I, I could see a case for it being called a foul because I, the angle that they showed on the broadcast, um, it does look like the ball is going to go on the other side of the foul line. However, that wasn't the call that they made. So what was it, technically fan interference? Yeah. Okay, now see, that's ridiculous because – no matter where the ball dropped, it was going to hit on the top of the uh, of the wall there, which in the rules that do exist would make it a home run. So the only thing I can think is somebody decided to be a real jerk, say, oh, but it never hit the top of the wall because the fan caught it. But I mean, yeah. what, what I, play was there to be interfered? There was, was the outfield just going to grow 20 feet, what, 40 feet maybe? <laughs> well... I mean, the good news is that uh, Jalen Crawford got that fan ticket to a future game. For me, that's bad news because you shouldn't suggest some, suggest someone to another Giants game. I don't know. <laughs> I yeah, I couldn't believe that they ejected him. Um, that was uh, it was bad form because everybody knew it was a home run. And really, you know what? That was the most emotion I've ever seen from Brandon Crawford game <laughs> interview. And even still, he was very calm. But it was the most emotion I've ever seen him show. He he was. It was. Not- I mean. Yeah, it was the it was the first time that if you remember that what happened in the next game when he he homered again in his next at bat and he sort of turned to look at the umpire as he was as he was between second and third base and that was the first time he'd ever been really sassy in a game since uh, since he since a game several years ago where he he was ruled to have not stepped on first base when he did and so in his next at bat in like the eighth inning. He, it was a ground out. He ran up the line, and he stomped really hard on first base and then asked me if I was going to get it that time and got thrown yeah. out of the game. I mean, it's that kind of thing that, you know, he will do it a little bit, but it takes a lot to get him there. Yeah. Well, I thought that was perfect. So the next step, I like the next night, he comes up to the plate, and it's the exact same scenario. You've got Buster Posey on base ahead of him, and he hits one out of the park. I thought that was brilliant. And I really, I thought it should have counted for three runs. Right. It should have won. Well, that was also the game that the bullpen imploded in, so really it wouldn't have mattered either way. But it's the <laughs> principle. Give him back that run because he doesn't get the record or he doesn't get the numbers for the home run that they. Because um, MLB came out and and announced that they got the call wrong, but they didn't really do anything about it. Like they didn't give Brandon Crawford a home run for his stats. They didn't do anything. So I feel like, in the interest of fairness, they should have gotten an extra run on Friday. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think that's how that should work. Uh, but only when it benefits the Giants and not when it hurts. Go ahead. Doug? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, well, um, I, was, I was just going to say, they, they, were, they were just still lost 11-6, to 6, so, I mean, it, it, it wouldn't have <laughs> mattered. What were you saying? Um, uh, I, I think I just said that that's how – I was just saying that's how it should work, uh, but only when it benefits the Giants and not yeah. when it would hurt them. Absolutely. So uh, we, we have to talk about the underrated MVP that the Giants have been hiding, and that is Gorky Hernandez. Did you get to, see, <laughs> did you get to watch the game on Sunday? Uh, yeah, I did get to see pretty much that, most of that game, and Gorky's defense was spectacular, and I don't know where that was for the first couple months of the year. But he, he was just 
God, I don't want to call I don't want to call Gorgie Fernandez electric, but I don't have another word. This is a dilemma. <laughs> I mean, it was especially the the catch of the wall is I think the first inning um, where he robbed Tommy Fan of the home run. I mean, my God, it's like he had wings that we just couldn't see. I mean, like or he had like you know something propelling him off of the ground because there's no way anyone catches that ball. No, that's that's a ridiculous catch. He there's if if you looked at you know if you gave somebody a graph of like here's here's where Gorky Fernandez is here's where the ball is gonna go will he catch it you would never say yes ever absolutely no I mean you just you just watching the play you're, you're, I I didn't think he caught it I was like wait a <laughs> second okay that, what what just happened like my brain just kind of broke for a minute and then I saw him tossing the ball I was like did it bounce off the top what happened. <laughs> I need to watch it a few more times because it was it was one of the most impressive catches I can remember seeing. Um, I'd put up, up there with the uh, Juan Carlos Perez catch in 2015 where he parkoured up the wall to catch to rob a home run, also against the Cardinals. Um, I, yeah. I can't think of another uh, another catch quite as impressive. Well, I, I have to say, if the Giants were going to pick a team to do that against, the Dodgers would be number one, I'd pick, but number two is the Cardinals. Absolutely. Um, so also in that game on Sunday, because it was a Madison Bumgarner start, and uh, it was another daytime Madison Bumgarner start, which we talked about in the last episode. I was saying it does feel like he pitches more day games than anyone else, but, you know, it could be for any number of reasons. But as he tends to do in day games, he hit a home run, and it was a great home run, and it was out into, you know, kind of where he generally hits them to in, like, the left field tunnel. But, my gosh, I mean, I'm never going to get tired of seeing that. You, I'm sorry, what? Oh, I said, um, I'm never going to get tired of seeing Madison Bumgarner hit home runs. No, and that, that pole was, that pole was smoked. That, uh, I think it was Kaif who was on the call. He just immediately went to his no doubt or home run call, which yeah. is what you want. Exactly. Yeah, he, his voice jumps up about an octave and gets about five times as loud. And, and, you know, you could tell from when it hit, came off the bat, you see the, the fans right behind home plate, everybody jumps to their feet. And you, there was no doubt about that one. Yeah. It was – it was that was a fun homer. And it is sad that then the gave up more homers uh, before he left the game because, you know, that was sort of the memory – the good memory from that game was him just crushing that ball way deep, way out into left field. Yeah, and, you know, that's just kind of been the thing about the Giants. Like, I don't know if it's all season. It's just been hitting been a little bit more apparent lately. It's just like there's two games in every game, and there's the beginning of the game where everything seems great. And, like, especially if you're, you know, like writing the recap of it or, you know, just trying to remember noteworthy things of the week. Like, oh, yeah, there's so much to talk about. So many good things happened. And then the second half of the game, the game they just implode, and you're like, oh, my God. You're like, oh, those things I really liked. I don't care anymore. This is terrible. Yeah, I mean, like on Friday night's game where they lost, obviously, we've discussed this, um, there was a great double play by Kelby Tomlinson. And for me, like after that happened, I was like, that's the thing I want to remember about this game because it was really great. Um, yeah, that's not what I remember about that game. <laughs> I remember it as the 11-5 collapse. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a little depressing, but ugh, I've gotten used to it. <laughs> right, which is really more depressing. Yes. 
Um, well, you know, and there's, there's always something interesting in each game. I mean, if, if you're not just, you know, turning it off when they're losing, you know, like on Sunday's game, we had Matt Moore pitching out of the bullpen, which was like not a thing I was expecting. Right. No, I don't think anyone was thinking, oh, I'm going to see Matt Moore pitch today and, you know, for two innings. Yeah. And he pitched well, but he was still like, I think I heard them say it was his third relief appearance in his entire career. Right, yeah. Which, you know, makes sense because he's not a really good pitcher. Do you think they did that for, for him, or do you think they did that to rest the rest of the bullpen going into Colorado? Uh, I mean, I think it was to save the bullpen going to Colorado, but because he's supposed to start again soon, and he should be starting. You know, he's he's obviously not been a good starter this year. He had three good starts in a row, but he hasn't – he's not – he has been a very bad pitcher. And so the Giants just need to keep looking at him, keep working on him, keep trying to see if they can make him successful and how. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's important for him to keep going out there and starting because they need him to be a starter next year. Uh, and that bullpen experiment was really weird. And I didn't expect I didn't expect him to come out of the bullpen. I definitely didn't expect him to go two innings instead of one. That was sort of bizarre. But I guess they threw side sessions between their starts and um, uh, Barry Zito did this once or twice in extreme games, and hey, look how his career turned out with the Giants. <laughs> he, he is a postseason legend. Um, exactly. Yeah, I thought it was. I had to actually like stop and look up the roster to make sure I wasn't like imagining things when they were showing him warming up in the bullpen. Right. I was like, is he just is he just getting his throws in? What's going on? And then I forgot about yeah. it. They brought did, in. Did they, did, did Matt Moore switch numbers with someone? Is that a story? Yeah. Uh, well, I, for, I had forgotten about it because I remember they showed him warming up, but then Kyle Crick came in, and that was not very good. Um, and then he came out for the next inning, and so I was like, oh, wait, I thought, I thought I was imagining that, but I was not. Um, no, I, was, I was glad to see that he, he had the two good innings. I mean, we'll see how that works in his next set. There's some people now like saying, Oh, the giant should convert him to a reliever. I think that's kind of crazy. Yeah. That's, uh, that is very premature. I would say. Yeah. Um, one, one good release out. I mean, there are a lot of problems with that first one, one good relief outing isn't going to fix what's wrong with him. Uh, second one is they need him to be a starter. Like it's not the money or what they gave up. It's just, the way the roster is constructed, are you really going to trust Chris Stratton to be a fifth starter? Who's, Chris Stratton's never really had a good minor league season. Like, I know he had three good starts before he had to go to quarters, but you should not rely on him. Uh, Matt Moore has a lot more of a track record of being a, like, dependable major leader. And so the you have to hope, basically. If, you, if the Giants are going to try to contend next year, and I guess they are, <laughs> then uh then they have to have Matt Moore in that rotation or else they're gonna be they're gonna be pretty much already done before the season starts. Which they might already be, but uh they're gonna be more even even more already done. Right. I, I agree with that. I think um I think people have a tendency to be a little reactionary. So they see him having two good innings and like, oh wow, there there's there's the solution. And yeah, no, I I'm with you. Um and kind of speaking of thinking about next season over this season, I've got a couple more notes on that. Um, 
So it looks like um, Brandon Bell is probably not going to be back this year, which, I mean, he's my favorite player, so I'm a little bummed. But I am very glad that they're not pushing him and he's not pushing himself to try and come back before he's ready because what's the point? Yeah, no, don't. Don't. You should, but, he just needs to be done for the year. It was. It happens. kind of a similar thing happened to him in 2015. Um, it was later in the year, but he got he got a concussion then too, and that kind of finished him off for the season. And he shouldn't come. And he shouldn't come back that year. And he didn't. And he shouldn't come back this year. And uh, it looks like he won't. Yeah, I, I'm glad. I mean, I I'm bummed that it happened to him. I'm not bummed that he's taking the time he needs because he was having such a you know like for him in in different categories, he's having one of his career best seasons. I mean, did he match his home run record? Or was he like just about to? Because I think he he his um. I think he's home... at, he's at eighteen, I think. But, yeah, um, his high. And his career high is eighteen, so he matched it. So I was looking for him. I mean, you know, as early as he did that, I was looking forward to seeing him maybe get to twenty five. But yeah, no, I mean, he had like if, if he hit a if he hit sort of a good streak, he had now shot at that shot of third. Uh, but that's, you know, now he's not going to get 20, which is really sad. He he definitely would have gotten to 20. Yeah. Well, and it's just like it goes back to the, the whole like kind of running theme with Brandon Belvis. He's just got some of the worst luck. Yeah. Everyone like kind of blames it on him, but it's like uh, most of the bad stuff that happens to him is really not his fault. No. I mean, it's not his fault. And it's – but you can tell it's already having – Concussions are the kinds of things that have pretty bad effects on people's lives. So you need to really watch out for. So he needs to really watch out for himself. And uh, I'm glad he signed that big contract because he deserves the money. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I'm, I'm sad to not get to see him play because when the Giants are really bad, you know, it's kind of very few things make the team fun. And one of them is my favorite player playing baseball. But you know, I, I hope I look forward to seeing him next season continue to play baseball with a healthy noggin. Yeah. Yeah, but exactly. Kind of speaking of a similar situation is it so Mark Melanson is going to be getting surgery, right? Like he, is he, he is. Do you need to do that? I I think he should do that now. I agree. Um, um I, I thought it's helping anyone. Exactly. Yeah, you know? I thought earlier that he was waiting until the off season to get the surgery that he needs. But what's the point of like waiting? Why not just get it and start recovering faster? It's not like, you know, the team's not pushing for a playoff spot or anything. There's no real point in, you know, endangering your, your, your arm by continuing to play when you're hurt. I am also against pushing your arm through an injury that you could easily solve with surgery. Yeah, I mean, I just there's not really any upside to this. Like, I think he's been told that it's really unlikely he's gonna he's gonna injure it any worse. But at the same time, he's he is not the the same pitcher that he should be. He's not the pitcher of the Giants signed, and it would be better if he just got the surgery right now. Um, if there are any complications, he has you know an extra month to recuperate before spring training. So it's supposed to be it's supposed to be a six to eight week recovery time. Uh, I think there was an article by Andrew Bagley, Madam which I think it was Bagley, who um, who says this is a similar thing that uh, Kyle Loge had a few okay. years ago, and he was back, and he had it near the beginning of the season, 
the, the surgery, and he was back pitching three months later. Um, and he was pretty good. So uh, yeah. hopefully, you know, hopefully Melanson just gets the surgery and then he's good next year because the Giants need him to perform. Yes. They need everyone to perform, literally everyone. They they cannot afford bad – they cannot – they have so many bad performances sort of already guaranteed from guys who are very likely to be on the roster next year, like ones whose names might run with Mablo Mandible, uh, that they really can't afford to have their closer uh, have a poor year again. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because the next thing I wanted to talk about was Pablo Sandoval's hitless streak. He is over his last 33. That's not good. That's, like, really not good. No, I mean, I, you know, I don't like to play this part very often when I'm talking about baseball, but I'm going to be honest with you. I could literally do that. You really think you could go for go over 33? I could go over 33. I have it in. You don't think you might accidentally walk? Uh, no. No, I think I'd be so scared of the baseball that's going 90 miles an hour or more that I would not walk. I would just sort of swing and try to get out of there as soon as possible. That's true. And, you know, a walk wouldn't really change the, the count or anything. So. Right, exactly. Yeah, I don't really know what they're doing there. Um, I, I guess they, they, I guess in some ways it, they see that it doesn't matter and they're just letting him play. But then, you know, you look at them having Melanson still pitch when he's injured and that it's like they're making decisions like they're still in it or something. So it's kind of a, a head-scratching why they're still continuing to let Pablo play and not try someone else out. Yeah, I don't have uh, an answer for that because it doesn't make any sense to me, I think. But I think, well, actually it kind of does. I think they want to spend as much time seeing as they can seeing if there's any of the old problem in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they he needs to play through uh, his awful streak. He need, They need to see him just do, do as much as they can. Uh, they have to they have to watch him him hit. You know, he's he hasn't gotten a hit since August 25th, oh and uh, that's bad. Yeah, I mean, he, I have been, you know, some of his defense has been pretty good. He had, like, pretty great uh, play on Sunday, but it's just if you're not contributing anything on offense, I mean, it's bad enough that the team isn't contributing much on offense, but if you're not contributing anything at all, yeah, I, I'd like to see someone else get a start there. Especially with September, when we've got September call-ups, which is, you know, the next thing I want to talk about. So, um, who are you, some of your favorite September call-ups that you're looking forward to seeing? Um, well, I mean, I think they're mostly I think they're mostly there. So, the Austin Slater is going to be coming back. Uh, he's, he played eight innings in Sacramento uh, yesterday, or on, on, uh, on Monday, I guess. Because I don't know when you're listening to this. Uh so he's going to be up. That should be that should be good to see. He, he was having a pretty good year before he got hurt. Uh, the Giants are apparently going to call up another mystery pitcher, Ooh. who they haven't said who it is. It's going to, I think it's going to have to be someone off the forty man, or it could be Ray Esperanza. Um But uh, Hank Shulman suspected it to be Roberto Gomez, which would be, I, I would be surprised by. I've, I've been watching him all year in Sacramento. He has been, he, he's he's been kind of erratic. He's been a minor. He's been a minor leaguer who has good stuff and can't quite harness it. 
So I would be surprised, but it's certainly possible uh, because Shulman does does know more with regard to the front office speaking than I do. Uh, the other guys who, who who could come up, I would think the most likely, uh, the two are Tyler Rogers and DJ Snelton. Tyler Rogers is kind of fun. He's a submariner. He's 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 a righty. Uh, he's he was he had an excellent year as a bullpen for the Rivercats. Uh, he is going to have to go on the 40-man this offseason, so the Giants could call him up and see if his stuff will play in the majors, uh, get, get started on that. The other guy is DJ Snelton, and he's a left-hander. He is very, very large. He is six foot seven. Uh, he had a, he's had a really good year. He, he doesn't throw especially hard, and he has more of a traditional arm slot, but he's uh, had a lot of success in Sacramento. So I would think one of them would be would be possible. Uh, it could be Maranta. I guess it could be Rodrigo Gomez. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, you know, we're we're looking at him. We're looking at Matt Williamson. And uh, you know, I, I like him. I hope he does well. But I don't know how much rope Ochi wants to give him, but let's hope it's it's more than we're expecting. Uh, we've seen Stephen Okert. We've seen Derek Law, who's back up. Mm-hmm. And Orlando Cleese is back up, and I think I'm forgetting someone, but that's okay because uh, the Giants are going to lose all their games, and nothing actually matters. Yeah, I, I was most excited to see Matt come back up. Um, I think he's, a, he's another one who's had some pretty bad luck, at least with um, injuries and stuff. And so it was it's good to see him on Sunday. Um, he had a couple of doubles, and he fought in his other two at bats you know, fought off a lot of pitches. So, you know, it, he, he looks good. So I'm excited to see him back and excited to see what what everybody else has got. I mean, there's not a lot, a lot left of this season. So, you know, we'll take what we can get. <laughs> we'll take the 2017 Giants. We'll take what we can get. I feel like we've come up with, like, eight different 2017 Giants mottos in the last month. <laughs> and none of them are optimistic. <laughs> no, this is true. Speaking of things that aren't optimistic, uh, Coors Field, we're, we're, I thought we were free from that hellhole, but alas, we are back. So, Doug, the Rockies are looking at the possibility of playoff baseball in Colorado. Does that disgust you as much as it disgusts me? No, I want them to destroy the Dodgers. I want anyone to destroy the Dodgers. I will root for anyone over the Dodgers. That's like if, if it's the Rockies, uh, fine. Well, um, is I'm not against the Rockies. I'm against the ballparks that they play in. Well, their ballpark is bad. Uh, what? Okay, I shouldn't say that. The ballpark is very nice. It's uh, too high up, though. <laughs> and then that leads to the baseball being subpar and not fun. Uh, and their mascot's bad. Mascot's but, very yeah. – imagine that on, like, national TV during the playoffs. Oh, God. Uh, okay, we- well, my counterpoint is imagine that on national TV. While they're beating the Dodgers like twelve nothing, wouldn't that be really funny? It would be really fun. Yeah, I mean, as long as they didn't cut to Dinger throughout the game, I'd be okay with it. Yeah. Um. So, okay. Speaking of other playoff teams, so every year I try and pick a team to root for when the Giants aren't in it. Obviously, the Giants aren't going to be in it. Um. And inevitably, they always fail. So I'm kind of thinking maybe I should pick the Dodgers this year, but you know I can't. So um, I'm actually. Uh, so, so, what's your your playoff team that you're kind of rooting for? Uh, 
I think I think it'd be good to see the Nationals do well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, they're they're to me they're a pretty likable team. Uh, mm-hmm. it, you know, the Giants got into a brawl with them earlier this year, but that's because Connor Christian was a bad guy. It made them so more. I, yeah, it made them more likable, if anything. Yeah, and uh, Sean Doolittle being traded to them made them a lot more likable. That's right, and I like Dusty, and I, you know, he he couldn't win with us, but I hope I hope he can eventually get a World Series, and this would be a great year for it. Well, speaking of teams, it would be a great year for them to win. I I gotta go with Houston. Um, you know, obviously, um, you know, a, a championship doesn't change the circumstance of what's going on in Houston and their surrounding areas. But, you know, it's not going to bring people back. It's not going to rebuild homes. But I think that kind of, you know, boosts morale to help people get through a really difficult time. So I got I got to root for Houston. And kind of on that note, um, you know, we'd like to send our best wishes to anybody that was in the affected areas of the storms in Texas and Louisiana and also the fires in Southern California. So we hope that you and your family and your friends are all okay. And if anyone can donate, that would be great. So, sorry for the sidebar there, but um, um, I, I, you know, the one thing I enjoyed watching this week was the um, the Tampa Bay Rays opened up their park to both the Texas teams to host their series, and they donated all of the money to the relief organization. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was. Uh, I feel like a. When that happened a few that's happened a few years ago and whatever wherever the team I, I don't remember the teams or the park they played, but I think it wasn't Tampa and they did that too and it's always good to see that kind of sort of altruistic behavior. Yeah, I mean, because that, that kind of stuff it affects everybody, you know. Everybody knows somebody or you know, we've got giant players from the area and, you know, we've all got we know people down in the area, so you know, it's it's good to see people like the good side of people come out like en masse you know, people coming together and doing good things. So that was kind of an upside to a really bad week. Yeah. Um, so let's move on and do player of the week. Mine was going to be Brandon Crawford, and by rights it still should be because he had a really great week. He had the home runs that we talked about. He had some great defensive plays. But you know what? Gosh, I've got to give it to Brandon Hernandez. His plays on Sunday were amazing. So, I mean, if ever I'm going to give it to Gorky Fernandez, the player of the week to him, it has to be this week. So, he's mine. So, what about you? Uh, well, you know, I was going to go with Jeff Samarja because it was kind of slim pickings this week, uh, and I thought you were going to go with Crawford. He had a, Samarja had a, had a really good start in, uh, in that game that, in the game against the Cardinals that they won, if I'm remembering right, uh, he, he did a great job. It was sort of a short-notice start because some Gardner was supposed to go that day. Or, I don't know, the rotation was all kind of out of whack. Yeah. For gonna, who knows but, what reason. But, um, yeah, so Samarji did a really good job. But then, you know what? No. Because uh, here's the thing. I went to a Rivercats game on Monday, their last game of the year. And I saw Chris Shaw hit two homers. So Chris Shaw is my player of the week. Because you know what? I saw Chris Shaw hit two homers, and we have came back from a seven-run deficit in the bottom of the eighth to win 10-9. So you know what? Chris Shaw is my Giants player of the week. Also, he's not on the Giants, which means that he had a good week. <laughs> I 
Yeah, he counts though because he's in the organization. So tell us, tell us a little bit more about that game because it sounded like a pretty great one. It was. It was not looking like a great game early on. Uh, Matt Gage was was a starter, and he's you know he's not a, a big time prospect. He had some trouble, and the ball was flying um, out of the yard too. He, I, I think, the first batter of the game homered off him. The first batter they were playing against the El Paso Chihuahuas, which is the affiliate of the of the Padres. Uh, the Chihuahuas won their division, uh, so they're going to play against the Reno Aces in the playoffs starting soon. Uh, and it was sort of sketchy in the bottom of the fourth, I want to say. Uh, uh, Austin Slater came up, and he hit a line shot home run to right field. And then right after that, uh, Chris Shaw homered to right field, and Shaw's ball was crushed, and that was fun. And then uh, a few innings later, DJ Snelton, who you might remember me mentioning earlier, uh, combined with Matt Gage to give up six runs in an inning. Uh, they were almost out of it, and then it did not quite work out. So they were down 9-2 going to the bottom of the eighth. They scored a couple of runs on a rally. Uh, they Tyler Rogers came in to the top of the ninth, who you might remember me mentioning. He did a really good job, shut down El Paso. And then bottom of the came up. The River Guys were down 9-4, and you're thinking, oh, okay, this game's over. And then Jeff Arnold, who is a, the backup catcher, uh, he's only in the organization and still playing at all because he's a total pitcher whisperer. He came into the game with an average in the low, mid to low 100s and an OPS that was under 350 uh, in AAA. It might have been a little better in Richmond or something with the year, but it, he's not a hitter. Uh, he led off the inning with a homer. And then Miel Kirikudo, who is a middle infielder, he's been playing shortstop for most of the year, who does not have any power. He has one home run. He, he had one, one home run here, uh, hit a homer. And then Slade Heathcott, who came in on a double switch, on the double switch that took uh, Austin Slater out of the game uh, after eight innings, hit a homer. And then the El Paso got two outs. It was 9-7. Pinch hitter Winton Bernard comes up and kind of lines a single up the middle. And then Chris Shaw comes up. And this is why he's my player of the week, because he had an opposite field home run right down the left field line and tied the game. And in the bottom, and then an inning later, uh, Dustin Knight shut the, shut the Chihuahuas down at the top of the 10. And Slade, he's got homered again to, to win the game for Rivercat. It was the best, it was probably the best baseball game I've been to since uh, game one of the 2010 MLB at. Because it was incredible. I gave them no chance to win that game uh, at all. And they did. You're just too used to the Giants who would never have won that game. Right, exactly. They're, I And really the River Pass. The last couple of games they had been blown out by the Chihuahuas. I think the final scores were 8-1 and 7-3. And so you're thinking, oh, these those deficits were, you know, the same or smaller than this, and they didn't really ever do anything about it. And then, ah, man, I don't know. It was just amazing. Well, I'm glad that game was like the third game of the weekend. So it wasn't like about <laughs> you got the bad games and the heat out of the way first, and you got to have a really great game to finish off the season. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't have wanted to finish off the season with uh, with some like seven three. Oh, fine. Yeah. 
especially with 105 degrees heat. Yeah. No, that's oof, that would have been bad. Well, I think that's a pretty good place to to leave off for this week. Um, did we have any Twitter questions? We did. We had a few. Uh, we ask every week. You can send them at any time. We will do our best uh, to answer them. Uh, the first one came from at not really Calvin. Uh, his name is Cal, who asked, "Both you getting ejected from the last 17 games in a row is the only proper way for the season to end, right?" No, I think both you should have to watch them. He's part of this team. He deserves it. They all deserve it. Yeah, um, if, if we have to watch it, he's got to watch it. Exactly. <laughs> there's, there's a story about some manager. I, I want. I think in the story is Yogi Berra, but I'm not sure. Who uh, was managing a really awful team, and he goes up to the umpire one day, and he goes, and he goes, "Hey, can you just toss me in like fifth or sixth inning? I'm gonna come out and argue some crap, and just can you just toss me?" And umpire goes, "Sure." And so it's an, so it turns out to be an awful game, and he's done, the manager goes out in like the fifth inning. He starts arguing, and the umpire will not throw him out, and he just refuses. And the manager is like, "Man, what are you doing? I thought we had an agreement." And Umpire's like, "Hey, if I have to watch this crap, you do too." Exactly. It's only fair. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess uh, just to watch it, but, you know. Yeah. But he's paid to watch it, so there's no he, excuse. He is paid very well to watch it. And you know what? Yeah. Uh, next question comes from Steve Svensson at Svensson19, who asked, what would have to happen, in your opinion, to have a positive offseason? Oh. I think uh, number one for me is, you know, there are a lot of positions that need improvement. The only one that unequivocally needs improvement from outside of the organization, and with apologies to Stephen Duggar, who is a a big prospect in the Giants' eyes, um, the Giants desperately need center field defense. So they need to find a real center field. They haven't had one. I mean, if you want to count Stan in 2016, that's iffy, but okay. But other than that, they haven't had one since Pagan 2012, maybe 2013. How dare you disparage Gorky's Hernandez? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I disparage him because I watched him for two for the first two months of this year. I, I understand. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but they, yeah, they need someone in center field. I'd say from, from, from my perspective, that's kind of job one. What about third base? The thing about third base is they have, I mean, not to, not that I'm counting on Sandoval to do, to do well, but I would, I think it would not necessarily be a negative move for them to go into the season hoping for either Christian Arroyo or Ryder Jones to do well. On the other hand, that's basically what they did, what they did this year with left field, and that didn't go well. So it's it's kind of tough to say what they should do there because. On the one hand, if you're looking at what's probably going to be a down few years without contributions from young players, um, you know, there's a couple ways to look at it. Uh, you can either rely on those young players and sort of get it over with, or you can do your best to bring in a, a decent veteran who can kind of bridge the gap. And I don't I don't know that I, I want the Giants giving up a lot of resources for a decent veteran who might turn out to be the next Keith McGee. Uh, on the other hand, maybe Pablo Sandoval is in this case, and he's already on the roster. I was going to say, I think he's so, already. Yeah. 
Um, so it's kind of I, – I don't know what they should do about third base. I think whatever they do, it's going to feel wrong to me, which is probably not a good thing, but that's that's where we are. Yeah, I think that they've got in-house options there, and I don't think Pablo should be one of them unless he, like, drastically drastically turns it around between now and the end of the season. But I don't see that happening. But the Giants do, like we talked about every week since they brought Pablo back, they do tend to favor um, people with history at the organization. So I guess we'll see. <laughs> I guess we'll see. That's the motto for the Giants. Because another <laughs> motto for the Giants. Uh, next question comes from Rob Hayner at Robert Hayner who asks how would you handle September call-ups because you only have 26 people on the roster or keep it as is I think it's good as is I, I don't you know it can lead to some annoying stuff especially with Bochy who plays Manhattan way too much but I think it's good for them to, to have a lot more people on the roster so sort of the tired guys can kind of get a little bit more of a break and so the rookies can get a taste of the big league life. I think it's, it's good for them to be able to come up and see what it's like mm-hmm. without uh, a ton of pressure on them. Well, and not only all of that, but you mean a lot of the a lot of the young guys that people have been looking forward to seeing in September. You know, they got hurt, so they're not playing right now. So, you know, I think I think they're good where they're at. Yeah. Uh, next question comes from Tom Harris at T Harris one thirteen who asks. Which happens first, 100 losses or a nuclear Armageddon? I mean, listen, a year ago, that would have seemed more like a joke. (laughs) A year ago, it would have been like, neither? Why are either of those things on the table? And yet, both of them are. So, um, I'm sad to say that it's a toss-up. I'm I'm going 100 losses. I'm going to be an optimist and say we're not all going to die. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only optimism you're getting out of this, but that's <laughs> what I got. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Next one comes from Steve Svensson, who said, here's a talking point for the next podcast, if you're still looking for one. Then he quote tweeted an Alex Pavlovich tweet. He said, it's somewhat weird to have a 100-loss team and also do just about everything in your power to avoid challenging young players. Oh, well. He said that after the Giants bumped Chris Stratton from his start against the Cardinals. Uh, but jokes on you, Pabs, then they started him in Coors Field, which is way more of a challenge. Oh, yeah. Don't you feel stupid? Can we actually, can we talk, because so Grant did a, a pre-cap for today's game, and I have to give him credit because he absolutely nailed the score. <laughs> on the yeah. He said the Giants were going to score like three runs, and they did. He said Chris Stratton started with, it wasn't going to be good, but you're going to be like, oh, it's good for scores, which, I mean, that's pretty close. Winning three runs could have been much better. It was yeah. a tight game going into the, the well, the shrimp. The shrimp. Yeah. Yeah, the giant shrimp. But, um, yeah, you know, I wasn't going to mention that, but it, it, it's, it's true. They did have a walk-off walk today, and not the kind that we like where they win, but the other kind. Um, but, yeah. yeah, I was impressed by, uh, by Grant's prediction. Just had to, had to throw that out there. Not that he's going to be listening, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, so congratulations to Grant for showing us all up and seeing how you can write a better recap than any of us, even without watching the game. Do you have any more questions? Uh, One more. 
three? Yeah, it's, uh, yes, one more from Rob Hamer, which is actually three, I think, who said they should turn Bum into a left field when he does in the left fielder when he doesn't pitch. Also, why is Pablo still playing? Call up Shaw and move Jones back to third base. Uh, we talked about Pablo. He's still playing because the Giants like old guys who have been successful before, especially successful with the Giants. Is there another reason that I'm missing, Sammy? I'm sorry, what? Uh, Pablo is still playing third base because the Giants like veterans who have been successful before, especially if they've been successful with the Giants. Right. Do you think there's another reason? No. No. Uh, There's nothing. That's it. It's not like and then a lot of money from them. It would cost them nothing to move them. So, yeah. yeah. Red Sox are paying them, and that's good. Uh, and, and then the other part was and, they should turn Bumgarner into a left fielder when he has a pitch. That might be kind of a joke, but what do you think about that? You know, I've always said that, like we've talked about before, Bumgarner should be the DH when they go to DH cities, whether he's pitching or not. Um, I don't know. I feel like I, I couldn't. It couldn't be worse. Um, <laughs> he's strong-headed. He would want to succeed. You know, not to say that anyone playing there now doesn't want to succeed. I'm not being a jerk. But I'm just saying, you know, but Madison Bumgarner has this kind of, like, mythical quality to him where, like, he's got the tall tales. You know, it seems like he could do anything. So, yeah, I don't think he's giving it a shot. There's nothing else no, why not? Um, I, I, I found a tweet on uh, – on Monday that was written on Sunday that said last 285 play appearances, Aaron Judge has 14 home runs. Madison Bumgarner has 14 home runs. So yeah, basically he'd be as good a hitter as Aaron Judge is what I'm getting from that. Yes. This is confirmed. Yeah. So sure. Put him in left field. Whatever. Yeah. Oh gosh. I mean, it's fun to think about stuff like that. I, I don't think that if he played every day that he would have that high of a home run rate. But who knows? I mean, he's crushing balls and batting practice every day, so. Yeah, and it's just throwing some fastballs. They'll, they'll figure it out. <laughs> I don't know. It would be fun, at least. <laughs> it would be fun. It would be something interesting about the Giants this year, and they need that. Um, oh, there is there is one more actually. I was I I skipped it. Uh, oh. Focus on 2018 at FA Orthopod asks, uh, how can the Giants rationalize keeping Evans as their GM? Um, I'll I'll let you start off on that one. <laughs> uh, I would say because here, here's what it would be. Uh, the Giants' failures are not just Bobby Evans' failures. They are organizational failures up and down. Basically, everyone in the scouting department, everyone in the front office, they all miss a lot of signs. Um, and let's be honest here, too. Bobby Evans is not the only decision-maker on this team. Um, Brian Sabian is not the GM. He is not making the trades. But he's also he is a big voice, and this is – the way the Giants do business this year is how they've been doing business for a lot of years now. Uh, and so it's not just Bobby Evans. If you want to clean house, then you should look at the Giants did win three World Series in five years. So they have not had a good year and a half, but there is still, there is still the ability in that front office to see talent and win in a way that other teams are really jealous of. 
And so to throw that away for one really bad year, well, on the other hand, really bad years happen. And you push your window as far as, you, as hard as you can, and then when it comes crashing down, then you're walking in broken glass all the time. Uh, and maybe that's what happened, and Bobby Evans is also the guy who can fix that. That's the rationalization. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Um, I was going to say, I mean, let's give them a chance to see what they do in the offseason, but like we just talked about, I don't think there's a whole lot they can do. There's not a lot of, like, room to work with. I mean, they've got guys, a lot of guys signed for a few years that just, you know, aren't having as good of a year as we wanted them to have. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean they're going to get better. It doesn't mean they're going to get worse. I mean, it's just, I think they've earned a little bit longer than one bad year before they get, you know, they clean house. I think three World Series wins in, what, six years, five years. Um, I think that's bought them a little bit longer of a rope than, like, two seasons of no play or no, we're all going to fall here. So one season. Yeah. I mean, it's really just one bad season. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, for, for all the of their class in the second half last year, a lot of that was, was bad luck. Um, it really was they actually outscored their opponents in the second half last year. So you would have expected their record to be a lot better. Um, so that, that was sort of the justification for a, a much quieter off season than it turns out they needed when they just got a, a good closer. They thought, so it's all understandable moves, and now you see if they learn from them. And if they if they do, then you see what happens next year. And if they don't, then I think this will probably be time to get rid of a lot of people in that front office. Yeah, I can agree with that because I mean, even this year, I mean, there's a lot of just injuries and things that they weren't, you know, that they can't really, you know, do anything about. It's not like they could see them coming. Um, so. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm with you. I mean, it's too like we talked about earlier. People get really reactionary, um, and and they want things to be done based on a short amount of of time. Um, like the Giants have been bad for a year. Fire everybody. Yeah, maybe maybe not. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right, and then we didn't have any other questions. Uh, that is it, as far as I can tell. Okay, so looking forward, do we have the Dodgers next week, or this it's next week, right? Oh wow, that's gonna be awesome, isn't it? Uh, I know, I know, we've still got another week, but it's kind of oh you know, yeah, they're, they're, yeah, we have the the rest of the Rocky series, and then the Giants are going to Chicago to play the White Sox this week. Oh, okay, so more see, and that's just. Uh, I feel like I always think we're done with Coors Field for the year, and then we have another series there, and then I thought we were done with the Dodgers, and then the Dodgers are going to come in and make us feel bad and kick us while we're down. And... <laughs> I, do we have another series in L.A. too after that? Probably, no. but these are how the seasons are structured. I think, is it the last season or the last series of the season? <laughs> if so, that's the Padres. Anyways, I don't know. I just kind of, you know, I don't want to see the Dodgers anymore. I don't want to see their smug faces. I don't want to see them celebrating. I'm bitter. So I, I feel like we should remind them that, you know, they just I think they just got swept by the Padres over the weekend. They should be like, hey, that's our thing. Next year, you're going to be just as bad as we are. <laughs> and somehow I keep thinking that's eventually going to happen with them, but somehow they keep ending up being good every year. I mean, even our, obviously we've got the three wins, and that's great. But the, the Dodgers are like consistently playoff good. It's just not fair, says the spoiled Giants fan. 
Right, exactly. Yeah. Nobody feels bad for us. <laughs> okay, so I guess that'll do it for this week's episode. Um, as always, feel free to comment over on McCovey Chronicles, where we're going to continue spreading to do this season, so you don't have to. Um, you can find us on Twitter at McCroncast. I'm uh, at Sammy Higgins. And Doug, where can the people find your hashtag content? My hashtag content is on Twitter at MoonlockMcFly. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we hope you had a great weekend except for the baseball. Bye. (laughs) Bye.